Welcome to Disaffected from Dystopian Burlington, Vermont. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. Let's start with what? Gender. The Champlain Valley School District here in Vermont, uh, near Burlington, it's the largest school district in our I was going to say our country because it really is like a little lefty nation here uh, in our state. And uh, naturally, uh, they are very concerned with gender identity. Uh, item from WCAX, uh, one of our local news affiliates. Um, Champlain Valley School District introduces new transgender and non-binary policy. I'll read you a little from the story. The school board introduced a new policy regarding transgender and non-binary students in Vermont's largest school district. It's still a draft policy, but it gives a more detailed layout of the rights of transgender and non-binary students at school. Um, <laughs> quote, it's crucial that we protect this vulnerable population with policy, end quote, yes. Yes, it is. Sentiments from the policy committee as they introduced the draft transgender and non-binary student policy to the CVU school board Tuesday night. The draft allows students to use bathrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity. It also allows students to participate in sports that align with their gender identity and gives students the chance to change their school records with caregiver consent. I'm gonna break in here. Did you hear that word, caregiver? Sounds a little weird, huh? Weren't you expecting to hear the word parents? I was when I read this. That's deliberate. This is another sign. We've talked about this on the show many times before. We're gonna keep talking about it. The left, the progressive ideological left, wants to break the concept of families. They are against families. They don't want you to think of parents and children. They want to substitute state-like terms such as caregiver, because many of these states, um, I'll, I'll be very surprised if Vermont doesn't become one of them, want to take children away from parents who don't, quote, affirm their gender identity. All of this, this policy here, what this really means in plain language, which uh, CAX won't use, they won't tell you what this means, is boys can go into girls' locker rooms, girls can go into boys' locker rooms, boys can play on girls' sports teams despite the fact that they are boys, they are males, they're bigger, they have more muscles, and they can and will hurt females uh, by playing in them. But this is protecting a vulnerable population. Do you understand that, folks? Your 16-year-old boy next to a 16-year-old girl, he's vulnerable because he says, I'm a girl. Simply by saying I'm a girl, he's vulnerable. Because he wears a dress, he's vulnerable. Because he throws a tantrum, he's vulnerable and he needs to be protected with policy. Back to the article. <laughs> CAX is paying attention to language a little bit here, but they, they can't actually comprehend what they're hearing, so they just regurgitate it to you. So I will regurgitate it on their behalf for you, disaffectants. They also wanted to frame the new policy in a positive perspective using affirmative language. You hearing the cluster be mommy here? Quote, instead of shall not, we moved towards words like will be or must be, said Angela Arsenault, the Champlain Valley School District's board chair. I love this language. We moved towards, leaned into, 
disgusting corporate feminocracy. Will be or must be, that's, um, that's affirming language. Sounds a little dictatorial, Ms. Arsenault. The committee gathered feedback from CVSDs, counselors, school nurses, teachers, parents, and others. Arsenault says the committee started working on the policy last academic year. Quote, we have been very intentional in the way we've gone about crafting this policy, Arsenault said. The introduction of the policy was met with little opposition, with one person asking the board a question. Here's that question. Quote, Privacy in the bathrooms, to have privacy when we went somewhere. And now if we go on field trips, there's no guarantee that they won't be able to sit in a room and just have biological females with them, said one parent who was at the meeting Tuesday. Arsenault responded, there are gender neutral bathrooms, which are single bathrooms. And I think there is an opportunity for privacy in all those spaces. And to wrap it up, the, com the committee reiterated why they changed the policy in the first place. Another quote from Ms. Arsenault, to create a culture of love and acceptance for all students. Hmm. Okay. This is, this is the cluster B tie-in. This is covert narcissism. It's the feminized version. I'm going to love you to death. Every act of emotional and policy domination and squelching of dissent by these people is called an act of community love. It's very disturbing. And they get ego strokes for being seen as the mommiest mommy to ever mommy. This is cluster B logic through and through. It's just the feminized version, which is more closely aligned with covert narcissism, not the big bombastic kind, but the kind that makes you look like a like a heroine or a savior. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in the rest of the show. But let's first turn, let's let's leave Vermont. Well, we're not really leaving Vermont, are we, by going to Canada? Let's go to Canada. <clears throat> this information comes from a Substack magazine that I definitely recommend you read and subscribe to. It's called the distance. I think they would describe themselves as gender critical. They're definitely against transgender ideology. Um, and Matt Osborne is one of their contributors, and he, he's got a good write-up on what happened this past week in Canada. Another good write-up on Substack is a woman named Eva Kurilova, K-U-R-I-L-O-V-A. She participated in some of the events that we're going to feature here, um, and she's got more extensive coverage. So what happened, I, I don't know if this was organized or if it just bubbled up organically, but all across Canada last week, thousands of parents and normal people showed up to protest the encroachment of gender ideology in Canadian schools. Canada seems to finally be waking up. You're seeing some of these pictures on your screen. Um, cities where these protests happened included Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa, Halifax, Vancouver, and more. Um, this is from Matt Osborne's article, quote, in Toronto, a large crowd has gathered at Queens Park to demand hands off our kids. Thousands appear to have turned out on Parliament Hill in Ottawa, St. John in New Brunswick, cities in Ontario, Halifax, Edmonton, Vancouver, the entire Canadian nation has risen up to say no to the cult of gender taking over their schools, end quote. He goes on, large crowds have gathered in cities across Canada today in a galvanizing movement of mass 
political action against gender ideology. Organizing under the hashtag One Million March for Children, it is the largest protest of its kind in the world to date. Gender identity is deeply unpopular with the public, and this is the first time that divide of public opinion has been put on display. There's another picture here. I think this one is, is this the Edmund? No, this is Ottawa we're seeing here. Um, at every location, protesters have completely outnumbered counter-protesters. After today, Canadians will know which side of this argument has real popularity and which side has been a manufactured consensus. That's the really important part. This ideology, trans ideology, but woke ideology writ large, all of it, depends on the perception, not the reality, the perception that this is something that all normal moral people agree to and that it is the majority opinion. If you actually do well-conducted polls, not leading polls that have misleading questions and loaded questions, but if you actually describe these policies to people in plain English, do you believe that men and boys should be allowed in women's and girls' naked changing rooms? Do you believe that children should have their genitals cut off, should have their breasts cut off? Do you believe that children should be given drugs that will permanently sterilize them and take away their ability to choose to have children once they reach the age of majority? Overwhelming numbers of people say no to this because it's insanity, it's moral insanity. And yes, it's not going too far to say it's Nazi insanity because it is. This is Mengele level stuff. It's not like that, it is that, it's the same thing. Um, but, of course, pollsters are not usually honest, and they use evasive terms and euphemisms like gender-affirming care and, you know, supportive care, health care, care, care. This has depended on the perception that only a few kooks and people on the fringe would ever want to deny children this blessed care that they need. This is a narcissistic reversal. This is cluster B as well. I'm, I'm going to be a little didactic in this show, folks, um, and there's a point to it. But we're going to, I'm going to point out to you how the narcissistic and cluster B ideology is specifically tied to each of the things that we're talking about. The reversal, of course, is the most common cluster B style tactic. Um, it is a fact that the people who really believe that children should have gender mutilating surgeries, who really believe that there is such a thing as being born in the wrong body, and, and contradictorily, they will also tell you in the very same breath that it's natural and normal to be born in the wrong body. I, I know that doesn't make sense. I, you're correct if you're saying, Josh, that doesn't make sense. You're right, it's contradictory. But th th this is who they are. This, this is what they believe. It's insane. It's literal insanity. Um, they are the fringe. It is only a minority of people who are this deluded or wicked and evil, actively maliciously wicked. It's not a tiny minority. It's not 1%. I guess it's around 10 to 20%. But it is a minority. They're reversing it. They want you, the normal person out there who actually cares for sanity, healthy children and bodies, they want you to think that you're the crazy one. These protests are showing that that isn't true. I'm not, I'm not ready to say I'm really happy about this. 
I know that I know that I should take this as what they call a white pill, right? Josh, this is hopeful. You know, this is wonderful, and and it might be. It is hopeful to see. I'm I'm not ready to commit to it because um, I have enough experience under my belt now to know that uh, when when people like you, audience listening to this, sane people, when we get a little bone thrown to us or a little bit of good news, after we've been under the yoke for so long, it feels really good and refreshing, and we're really tempted to say, oh, thank God this is over. It's not over. It's, it's, it's not over. It's, it's going to take a lot more. Um, let me give a little bit more from Matt Osborne's article. Everyone who has been in this fight for a minute or more, anywhere around the world, should take a little time today to just stare at the visuals. Look at that picture. That's Ottawa. Look how many people there are there. Let it soak in that we really are the majority. We can break the power of this cult. We have the numbers. We will be heard and we will win." End quote. Nicely turned, Matt Osborne. Nicely turned. All right, we're going to get ready to take a break here, but we would love to have you join and support us and help make this show. Your best portal into us right now to support us is through Substack. Go to disaffectedpod.substack.com. You can sign up as a paying subscriber and help us produce this show. It also gives you access to the members-only uh, content. Content. I can't believe I said content. I'm a writer, for goodness sake, and I just called it content. Do you see how I my brain is getting eaten, too? Um, essays. We do have some premium members-only essays, and you'll find those on Substack. So once again, disaffectedpod.substack.com. There are other options if you want to try um, subscribestar.com slash disaffected, or if you just want to show us some one-time support, it's very gratefully accepted. Send us a PayPal to the email address, us at disaffected.fm. We're going to go to a break, and we'll see you on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more, and all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. Activist Christopher Rufo has an excellent video out this week. If you haven't heard of him, he's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's anti-woke. He's written several books. He's on the board of New College in Florida and has been instrumental in rooting out 
the woke ideology there. Uh, there were some videos recently. Uh, it was glorious to see, actually, some of the administrators were really protesting the fact that the board uh, that Christopher sits on was saying, we're not doing this DEI stuff anymore. We're not doing this equity stuff anymore. Uh, and a couple of the uh, faculty, and I believe it might have been the president, I saw a video, is getting a little, a little sharp with him. You know what? They just fired him. They just fired him. Goodbye. You're gone. Glorious. That's the power of saying no. Not justifying. Not saying, I understand your concerns and we can share them. No, we're not going to share them anymore. Everyone understands your concerns. Your concerns are complete domination and brainwashing, and we're not having it. The answer is no. Your job is over. Clear your desk. Well, he has turned his... He's turned his attention to what he calls the Cluster B Society. He released a video this week called the Cluster B Society. It's 11 minutes long. You should definitely watch it. It's excellent. We are so pleased to see somebody with a big profile pick up on what, what is the thesis of this show uh, and bring the idea of Cluster B and narcissism in histrionics and hysteria becoming mainstream and normalized. And he laid it out expertly in this video. He gets it, and he, he puts it out in plain terms so that anyone can understand it. Um, I think we have, uh, I think we've got a short clip. You're gonna, when you hear this, uh, I, we're not going to play the whole thing for you. As I said, it's 11 minutes, but you should watch the whole thing, and you should share it around. Um, Rufo sees what Kevin and I see, what many of you uh, see, and what we have been talking about on this show for two and a half years. And um, let's, let's take a listen. You're not imagining that the world has gone mad. Healthy debate has been replaced by activist hysterics. Masculinity is condemned as regressive, while men in skirts and heels are celebrated in the public square. It's as if we're experiencing a society-wide mental breakdown. It's easy to laugh at these outbursts as the ravings of a small but vocal minority, but the compromised health of our body politic is not a trivial concern. A strange new pattern of psychological dysfunction has infiltrated our most prestigious institutions, our corporate bureaucracies, and the highest offices in the land. In short, we're sick. Our society is out of balance. We've been consumed by a cluster of disorder that appeals to our worst instincts and deranges our most important social functions. We need to recover our sanity, but to do so, we must first know exactly what we're dealing with. That's right. It's all cluster B all the way down. So I, I went through the video and pulled out some points uh, that I think are worth um, hammering home. Um, some of these are going to be familiar to you. Uh, you will have heard about them on Disaffected, of course. Um, but they're very important. Number one. These people, and you saw you saw that um, that montage he did of of the screaming female faces, yeah, yeah, female faces. That's right. Cluster B has infected our entire society. Men and women end up with these cluster B personality disorders in equal numbers, although they express them somewhat differently most of the time. But this has been a largely female-driven 
cultural change. It's connected to feminism. It's connected to the idea that women are at once, simultaneously, the most powerful, morally pure, uh, creative life forces in the universe and also in complete danger and they're utterly fragile and must be protected from any disagreement because that's abuse at all times. Again, it's this clashing contradiction, black and white at the same time. That's cluster B. The big point that Christopher Rufo points out these are not the ravings of a small and vocal minority. We can't write this stuff off that way anymore. Most people do want to write this stuff off that way. Um, any of you who have spoken to your parents, your cousins, your sisters, your brothers, your colleagues at work, people who may not be uh, as aware of what's going on, uh, and is tuned into the news and, and frankly, online society, they'll often say, well, you're, you're just very online. You're too online. My, my own therapist has said this, you know, and, and he's right. I've been too online for some things. Um, but actually, um, I believe that he has objectively missed uh, some of the things that are happening and how deeply they've infiltrated society. It's not just Twitter. It's not. It's every day. It's on the street. Not only are there more people today with cluster B personality disorders, but the behaviors and traits, not necessarily full disorder, but the behaviors and traits are now mainstream behaviors. They have been normalized. They're valorized and they're rewarded. And non-personality disordered individuals are being, as, as Christopher says in his video, infected by these. And they're acting them back out. And like a pathogen, as he says, they are spreading them to other people. Uh, people are openly praised today for hysteria, histrionics, and libelous accusations against others, projection and reversal. You're evil. You want people dead. You want people harmed. You want people hurt, all, all while they are harming, hurting, defaming, and libeling people. I mean, listen to this. When you've got people who are actually putting their children um, on morning television and saying, yes, I, had, um, I helped my daughter get her top surgery, you know, it's cutesy, top surgery, radical bilateral mastectomy, cutting off your 13-year-old daughter's breasts. You'll see a mother doing that, a monster, a monster who cut her daughter's breasts off. And she says that you are the one hurting her daughter. Yeah. Uh, second, <clears throat> as Christopher says in his video, we have to identify what's going on. We have to name it specifically. And I would say, we have to diagnose. Yes, it is now time to diagnose. And Christopher has diagnosed our society. It's cluster B. It's shaped our entire culture. And I pulled out a quote. He said, our society honors victimhood instead of achievement. Absolutely. This is how meritocracy has been pushed away. You know, earning your test scores, earning your salary. No, no. Using your gumption. No. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. No. It's how badly you were harmed that makes you worthy of attention, worthy of praise, worthy of being told that you're a special human being. And social media is, I don't know if it's an essential ingredient. I think this would have happened to society to some degree, even without social media, but it is to me indisputable that social media has supercharged the cluster Bification of our society. Um, it is perfect 
for the more feminine types of personality disorder traits, reputation destruction, uh, whisper campaigns, um, moral indignation, shows of, of, of strong emotions so that people will back off and stop criticizing. Feminine hysterics scale very easily with social media. Male violence, the punch you in the face if you talk to me the wrong way, doesn't work on Instagram. It's no longer, yeah, no, we, we've talked about that. Uh, next point, cluster B types of behavior, even though most people don't know that word, more are gonna know now, thanks to that video. It's, these behaviors are not shunned anymore. Uh, Rufo says in the video, we used to sort of cordon off psychopathology. We said, okay, it's unfortunate. You have a problem, you have an illness, you need help for that but it's not a good thing, right? You need help for it. That means we don't want you to stay there and we're not gonna allow you to infect other people with it, right? Oh, that's shaming, that's stigma. Well, then bring back shaming and stigma. We need some shame and stigma. We need some boundaries. We don't have those anymore. He says, quote, a new leadership class rules through emotional blackmail. Absolutely. The, the quintessential expression of that is, would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son? That's the emotional blackmail of the trans activists. It's not true, of course, but it's terribly frightening to parents. I've talked to them. I talked to some of them in my consulting uh, practice. You know, they've been told these things and these parents have admitted to me tearfully that they fell for it because they were so scared of what would happen to their troubled teenager. You can understand, it's wicked to do this to a parent. It's evil. And this method of cluster B domination has been extraordinarily effective at controlling us and transforming our institutions. And uh, Christopher Rufo points out human resources departments, civil rights law, government offices, even the US military. Have you seen any of the advertisements for signing up for the military lately? They're full of, no, not, not overweight. Some of them have actual obese people in them who are not fit to serve in the military with blue hair. Talking about, I'm a cisgender demi-romantic with generalized anxiety disorder. Th yes, these are actual real military commercials. That's how bad it is. The last bastion of masculinity has been completely cucked. And his video has also picked up on some of the politicians, some of the more raving politicians that you've seen on our show. I don't have this clip for you, but uh, cast your mind back a few months to an episode where we covered a lawmaker in Minnesota who was standing in front of a, um, uh, she was standing up giving testimony about, I think it was a trans sanctuary state bill in Minnesota. Uh, and she's, she's going, Trans people belong here. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We need trans people. Trans people belong here. And she was screaming it much more loudly and insanely than I'm doing for you right now. Um, and in his video, uh, Christopher Rufo points to the modern university, calls it the laboratory of where this cluster B ideology comes from. And he connects it in my view, correctly, to the overall feminization of society. Um, the elevation of victimhood and the elevation of feelings. Um, and these people who believe in this, they, the, the reason that, well, first of all, the, reason, the real reason they don't like meritocracy is because they don't want to have to do the work and they know that they don't measure up. 
they know they can't achieve these things or they know that they don't wish to put the effort in. But they don't want to be seen as lazy and they don't want to be seen as um, on the take. So they tell everybody else that merit-based achievement expectations are themselves abusive. It's abusive to expect high performance before you dole out a reward. That's their logic. Um, we've got a clip here uh, that talks about the feminization of that um, from the Cluster B Society video. Can you roll that, please, Kevin? For those of you who are watching Anonymous the title, right listening, critics enter the longhouse. This strange new cluster B regime, the longhouse, a matriarchal form of society that privileges the values of care, concern, and feminine social strategies. In an essay for the magazine First Things, the pseudonymous writer Lomez explains that women now outnumber men in professional managerial roles and vastly outnumber men in human resource departments which have outsized influence on professional and cultural norms. The left, too, is now acknowledging the emergence of the Longhouse. In her presidential campaign, Hillary Clinton confidently declared that the future is female. And in an essay for The Atlantic, Hannah Rosen heralded this change with an essay titled The End of Men. Both were correct, but while some are celebrating this shift, our female future is not an unalloyed good. Despite what we're told, biological sex differences are real, and an imbalance between the two has negative effects for everyone. Taken too far, overly feminized leadership produces exactly the kind of cluster B society we're living in today. One in which identity is rewarded over merit, in which victimhood is prioritized over competence, in which antisocial behavior goes unchecked, in which moral narcissism is the currency of the realm. The Cluster B society is upon us, and we must find a way out. We must find a way to restore balance, to restore order, to restore sanity, because if we don't, we are resigned to a world gone mad. If you want a picture of that future, imagine this person screaming in your face forever. Right on, right on. Today, corporations celebrate disorder. They, we call the ugly beautiful. We call the unhealthy and obese the picture of health. This is all cluster B reversal. It's a moral reversal. It's a reversal of the truth. Another way to describe it, for those of you who are Christian and religious, is satanic. The devil whispers lies and reversals in our ears. It is the devil who says, that ugly, salacious thing over there is actually the most beautiful thing you'll ever have in your life. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? That's the devil. He tells us that light is dark, bad is good, bitter is sweet. Now, um, Christopher had a, a Fox News hit this week where he talked to uh, Jesse Waters. I think Jesse Waters uh, is occupying the slot that Tucker Carlson used to have on Friday night. And um, we've got a little bit of video from that. Can we roll that, please, Kevin? 
And what we're really witnessing is a collapse of all kinds of traditional authority that provided bounds, that provided limits, that, that guided people towards virtuous behavior. Uh, now we have a society that is characterized by social media, by narcissistic displays, by identity obsessions, uh, by pharmacological interventions. A record number of people are on uh, uh, pharmacological interventions in their lives. And negative behavior is rewarded. And so the people who are the most uh, emotionally outburst, the people who have the largest uh, 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 personalities in this way are rewarded with authority uh, that just collapses in front of their feet and gives them, uh, unfortunately, what they want. And what we had in the past, of course, these kind of personality types existed, uh, but psychopathology was held deliberately at the margins. It was not allowed to occupy the center. It was not allowed to become a governing principle. But what we have today is these uh, individual psycho psychological traits have been institutionalized. They've become the culture of our institutions like the universities, like many bureaucracies, HR departments, and other uh, uh, culture-forming institutions. And so they're no longer an individual matter, but they've become embedded in our very culture. And so uh, we no longer have people who can say no, no longer have people who can say, uh, this is the not, not the right way to behave. And so we see even state legislators, even federal legislators, uh, engaging in this kind of emotional theatrics, emotional blackmail. Uh, and unfortunately, they're rewarded with not only attention, but they're rewarded with institutional power. Yeah, they get accommodated because no one wants to confront them and no one wants to be mean or a bigot or say no. And all of a sudden they've taken over. How do we stop this, Chris? It's actually quite simple uh, in theory, but it's difficult in practice. We have to have a leadership class that says no. That is the most important word in the English language. Unfortunately, uh, we don't use it as much as we should. People have to say no. We have to reestablish authority. We have to reestablish limits on behavior. And we have to reconstitute the virtues so that psychopathologies are placed uh, as problems to be solved, uh, not markers of distinction to be rewarded. That's the basic formulation that we have to have to improve our society. I don't think anybody has put their finger on America's problems the way you have. Really? In another section, uh, Jesse Waters uh, asks a question. Uh, he, he asks uh, Christopher Rufo, how, explain to us how how a narcissist then becomes this emotional hysteric. He's, he's surprised. He, he doesn't see how they come together. And that's not his fault, right? This is new to most people. This this is an opportunity to talk about what cluster B is as a reminder, um, especially for those of you if you're fairly new to the show. This this may be really helpful uh, to you to, to conceptualize this. So we've got cluster B. This is a cluster of personality disorders. It includes ostensibly four ostensibly discrete personality disorders. I don't believe they're discrete. I believe they shade together. But they are narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and that means the emotionally unstable, histrionic personality disorder, way over-the-top excessive emotions, especially sexual provocation, and antisocial personality disorder, which you know colloquially as sociopathy or psychopathy, the conscienceless. Um, you know, as, as longtime viewers know, my mother, I used to describe her as she has both borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. Um, and and that, that's true enough for, for a working definition. I now believe that there is such a state of mind, 
that we that we call cluster B. That is a real phenomenon. There are people who fit that category. It points to something real. But I no longer believe that most people that we can genuinely describe as cluster B have this disorder and that they also have this disorder or it's comorbid with this. If I were to rewrite the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and the way that, that clinicians diagnose, I would say we have you know, what we now call cluster B, but when you evaluate a person, I wouldn't say, oh, they have borderline personality disorder. No, they don't have that. It's actually histrionic personality disorder. More nearly, you can say cluster B colon features of, or cluster B features of colon, um, borderline identity instability, histrionic sexual provocation, features of covert narcissism, victim posing in order um, to get sympathy. Most people we can describe as cluster B have a helping from each of these four allegedly separate disorders. This is real important. So that answers Jesse Waters' question. Well, how does a narcissist then become this emotional hysteric? Well, it's because we're not talking about different kinds of people. Yes, there absolutely are people who have cluster B personality disorders who hew more closely to uh, the canonical version, right? You say, this looks like a person with classic narcissistic personality disorder. Donald Trump is a good example of the classic overt grandiose narcissist. But people often miss that there's a kind of narcissistic personality disorder called the covert narcissist. She is more, you know, she, it's usually a she, sometimes men, but more often a she. She is not bombastic. She doesn't come right out and say, I am the greatest, I have the best car, I have the most beautiful voters, you know, the way Donald Trump does. She comes in like a, like a, like a school teacher. Oh, I care so very much and I've spent so much of my time trying to make a safe space for my students and I don't understand wh wh why people don't want to support me in this. That's also narcissistic personality disorder. It's covert though. It engenders your sympathy rather than turning you off with bombast. Um, they shift, people shift, they shift tactics. That's, that's the explanation. This is also an illustration of our basic thesis that we brought to you since the very first episode of this show in late January of 2021, when I said that domestic abuse has gone public and feral. I learned what cluster B personality disorders were from my sister when we were trying to figure out what in God's name was wrong with our mother that made her so insane that I ended up having to sue her and evict her from my house. It was a personality disorder or a cluster of them, if you will. We think of these things, people say, I've never heard of this before. I've never heard of cluster B. I know, but you've known cluster Bs. Every single one of you listening and watching has known a cluster B. They've been in your family, in your church, at your job, um, at your social club. If you know, if you have a concept in your mind of the domestic abuser, the abusive husband, or the shrewish um, hen-pecking wife, that's cluster B. It's almost always cluster B. You do know these people. You just don't know the name for it. And you don't know, yet now you do, right? Thanks to Christopher Rufo, thanks to us. Uh, now you do know that there is a psychological category that these people belong to. We're used to thinking of this stuff as domestic abuse in a home behind closed doors. What is 
what characterizes the cluster B society, the current era, is that what used to be behind closed doors has now been publicly normalized. It's not as though these people never existed in public before. Obviously they did. We can look back in history and see them all throughout history. People have always talked about them. But the massive numbers of them and the social applause and adulation they get is, well, certainly not in, in living memory. There's nobody alive today who has ever seen a society like this. No one alive. It's a scaled up version of the borderline mother. The borderline mother knows that if she pushes the emotion in the home all the way to hysteria, that she'll scare the children. They'll worry about being hit or punished, but she also knows that she will sow psychological doubt in those children. Those children will worry that they are actually bad boys and bad girls who hurt mommy. This provokes a self-imposed emotional slavery in children that lasts throughout their lives until they confront it. I was one such person. I was emotionally enslaved to my mother. The children will monitor themselves because their normal reactions, their normal discomfort with absolutely abnormal psychology, those children now believe that their normal reactions are the disordered reactions. They hurt mommy and they're bad. That's how the left works these days. You hurt me, you're bad. The abuse victims believe it is they who are abusive. It's a perverse, disgusting reversal. They believe that they are irrational. They're making it up. They are heartless and cruel when in fact they're being treated heartlessly and with cruelty. Um, we're gonna, we're coming to the end of this block here, but if you want, uh, especially if you're new to disaffected or if you're new to cluster B and, and thinking about it, if you want a good primer on how this works, our back catalog has got everything for you. Take a note here, um, this may help you. I suggest a few episodes. First, the very first episode, go all the way back to January of 2021, Episode one is called Mommy Issues, and it's different. Um, it's just me talking, there's no video. It was the very first time I sat down in front of a microphone, but it tells you the story of why I came to believe what I believe and, and why Kevin and I launched this show. Listen also to episode two called Don't Diagnose, and that talks about the fact that society doesn't want us to notice and recognize plainly psychopathological people in front of us. I also recommend our two-part episode that happened in the first half of 2021 called Over the Borderline, parts one and two. It's two different episodes. And for a real quick primer, go back about three weeks on our YouTube channel to the shorts, and uh, it's called The Disaffected Hypothesis. Uh, before we go to the break, I wanna remind you that uh, I have a consulting practice, and if you've got what looks to be a cluster B problem in your life, even if you're not sure about it, um, take a look at joshuaslocum.net. If you wanna to talk to somebody who has been through it personally and professionally, because not only did I deal with this um, in my home life and, and take it out of my home life, but I dealt with it at work too. I lost my job to a woke crowd that came for me from within my organization. It was absolutely cluster B abuse. I've talked to clients who've got work problems, academic problems, questions about whether they should continue in their field, how to maintain boundaries with colleagues who display cluster B behaviors. Um, I'm, I'm someone who understands. I've, if I haven't experienced it myself, I've worked with people who have. So take a look at joshuaslocum.net and we will see you on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby? 
that's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. I'm sorry, I'm laughing already. <laughs> Can we get, the, we're going to talk about John Fetterman. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear him, but he's right on the other side of this curtain, Kevin, is we're actually in the same building tonight. Um, look at that Chester Molester mustache. <laughs> he really is Uncle Festerman, isn't he? Okay, so <laughs> aside from simply making fun of him, which is a good in and of itself, why am I talking about John Fetterman? This is another illustration of how in today's society, Cluster B works. It does work. It gets you what you want. Bad behavior gets you what you want. Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania, Democrat, as everyone knows, uh, while he was running for senator, he suffered a major stroke and it compromised his language processing abilities, both his ability to understand language, but also his ability to speak it back out. Now, he has said many, many times falsely. I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt for a little while until I saw the pattern. He's, he's not being truthful. He says he has no problem understanding language. He simply has a problem uh, putting the words together and having them come back out his mouth. No, it is quite apparent that he actually has a thinking problem. And I'm not saying this to make fun of him, he, but he is brain damaged. The stroke damaged his brain. He has comprehension problems. It, it is quite obvious to anyone who pays attention to him that sometimes he does not know where he is and he does not know what he's talking about. Uh, this is unacceptable in a senator, absolutely unacceptable. Uh, we need no justification for this. Well, he's also a slob, isn't he? Because everybody's a slob in 2023. Nobody dresses up anymore. People leave their houses either in prostitute or thug and gangster clothes. Or as, um, as I said to Kevin earlier today, I was driving by the Unitarian Church um, at, at 11 o'clock this morning uh, as services were getting out. I'm I, disaffected uh, audience. I am. This is not comic hyperbole. I absolutely mean this. If you had covered up the sign so that I didn't know it was a Unitarian church, I would actually have thought that the people were coming out of a soup kitchen. That is how bad they all looked. Men with their guts and skin hanging out underneath their sloppy stained T-shirts. Uh, women in flip flops and uh, everything from. Uh, flimsy, frowsy little, little, you know, like camisole, just like, sloppy. Just they looked like what homeless people used to look like. Of course, homeless people look pretty dandy and dapper these days. The one who's um, constantly panhandling at the uh, uh, exit 15 
on Highway 89 uh, is very snappily dressed with a new iPhone. Um, so John Fetterman refuses to wear a suit. Look at him. See him at the airport here? This is his everyday wear. Gym shorts and a hoodie. He looks like the guy. He looks like your weed guy. And, and I love my weed guy. My weed guy should look like this. He's my weed guy. He's not my senator. So what's the cluster B here? What's the connection? Well, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, one of the most powerful men in the entire world, just abolished the Senate's dress code. Abolished it. Senators no longer have to wear, men no longer have to wear suits and ties. Women uh, senators no longer have to wear business attire. Why? Well, for John Fetterman. Because, so he can feel comfortable. Because, you know, he, he had to stand in, in, in the doorway outside because he couldn't come all the way in the Senate because he wasn't, um, you know, he couldn't wear, according to the dress code, he couldn't. So he had to stand there. So he was being marginalized. He was being marginalized, not marginalizing himself, not making a statement, which is, is exactly what he was doing. He wanted to look like a little victim. Well, I'm a stroke victim and I can't. Uh, 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 which diagnostic list of stroke symptoms says can't wear suit takes away ability to wear formal clothing? <laughs> so this gives Fetterman a win for victim points. And it gives Chuck Schumer a win for compassionate mommy points. Yes, mommy, not daddy, mommy. Daddy doesn't relax the dress code, does he? That's something mommy gives into. So he's got his mommy points. Let's go back to Vermont, because I know you love the local angle. <laughs> uh, shout out to my friend Holly, who put this in front of me. She said this would be great show fodder, you guys, and she was absolutely right. Um, you should look her up. Her, uh, she goes by Holly uh, Math Nerd on Substack. Uh, fascinating person, excellent writer. So she flagged this up for me. This is about Black Lives Matter flags in Vermont public schools. So this is on Reddit, and this is on the Vermont subreddit, the um, I'm explaining all that you guys probably all know, but there are some people out there who don't know how this works. Reddit, the big aggregator where people talk about stuff, there, there's one devoted just to Vermont and Vermont life. Um, so the original poster says, um, oh, Kevin, I should have blown this up. I don't know if I can read it. Um, the original poster is talking about Black Lives Matter flags. Can you actually put that, can you enlarge that on the screen for me so that I can actually... Uh, read this to our our audio only listeners. I forgot my borderline glasses. I'm sorry. Okay, so this is what the original poster had to say. Just curious are other uh, about other Vermonters' opinions on this before I bring it up to the school board. My kid's school has a Black Lives Matter flag on the flagpole just under the American and Vermont flag. In my opinion, a political organization doesn't belong on school property. It opens up the door to way too much crap, and politics honestly don't belong in school. I would feel exactly the same way if it was an NRA flag, National Rifle Association, or any other lobbying organization, whether I agree with their mission or not. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for accommodating my old man eyes. 
Um, well, as you can imagine, friends, this did not go over well in the Vermont subreddit. So I'm going to read you a selection. I didn't even have to pick and choose. I, I went literally through the first two um, screen scrolls and just grabbed all the stuff. So response number one. In a lot of the schools that fly the BLM flag, it came from direct action on the part of students, like signing petitions, attending and speaking at school board meetings, etc. The students took action to make sure their school visibly supported and projected their values. <laughs> While I understand that adults pay taxes, students are the most important part of a school community. Community. And they should have the power to influence what their school projects into the world. Really? It is their school more than it is your school. Remember, this, this, this commenter is talking to a parent. It's their school more than it's your school. The question of how people would feel about a... You know what? Forget that. There's, it's just more crap like that. I'll go on to the next one, which is more crap like that. Um, <laughs> next one. The value of black lives doesn't feel political to me. I'm happy to see the flags. Well, okay. Next one. To equate a decentralized anti-racist social movement with a gun rights lobbying group is some wild mental gymnastics, especially in the context of school use. Not buying your slippery slope concerns at all. <laughs> Next response. On the flip side, I wish my school encouraged students to be more political. Any day now, these fossils will be turning over the U.S. to us. I have to break in here. Never, ever tell me again, anybody, that I'm exaggerating or I'm wrong or I'm bitter when I say that millennials and Gen Z actively hate and loathe older people. This is, you know, I, I, I know I've been saying it on almost every show, this is not just the normal turnover of generations. There's active disgust, loathing, and contempt from young people toward adults at, in a way we have never seen before. No, not even in the 60s when they said don't trust anybody over 30. They weren't this vicious. Let me go back to it. Any day now, these fossils will be turning the U.S. over to us. And I haven't heard any good solutions to get us to be somewhere I want future generations to inherit. If the kids do or don't support it, it's something they can form their own opinion about and think deeper in regards to politics and social reform. Also, something about being a minority and seeing such flags maybe feels a bit comforting to some. Maybe, maybe feels. This woman probably pronounces it emails, too. She probably drinks milk. Sorry that you seem triggered. Do you see that reversal? Sorry that you seem triggered. <laughs> Sorry you're triggered. No, bitch, you're triggered. It's you. You're projecting and reversing. Because of what class? That's right, cluster B. Come up and get your gold star. Ooh. Next one. BLM is first and foremost a social movement with the goal of promoting anti-racism and equality. And by opens up the door to way too much crap, do you really mean engaging in meaningful conversations about systemic racism and discrimination? Do you also take issue with LGBTQIA plus flags or representation? Oh, I do, honey. 
<laughs> do you see the, programmed programmed these people run on the same software there is no thinking this is cult it's stepford it's animatronics it's punch cards it's algorithms it's ai it's bots these people are in fact non-player characters these symbols might feel problematic to you for whatever reason but they show people facing discrimination, a sense of community and solidarity. As a Vermonter whose kids attend public schools, I'm proud of our institutions promoting safe and inclusive spaces for education. Jesus Christ, would somebody please get me a tissue? I need to wipe the estrogen off my face. Next one. Banning anything that opens up the door is a great way to ensure that the messages of minorities are always silenced. What minority in this country is silenced? Tell me. What minority is silenced? Which minority is not having their asses licked every single day, 24 hours a day in the United States? <laughs> they go on, they, listen to me, they go on, you know it's she. The real problem is entitled white folks who feel threatened by a minority message. The question to be asking yourself is, what does it hurt? On the other hand, given how big a problem mass shootings are, do you see punch cards? Uh, do we really want to have an NRA flag flying over our schools? Do we really want to advocate to kids, hey, we support guns here? Well, I do for self-defense, and I think they should be taught gun safety, too, starting at a young age and shooting and marksmanship. Back to it. This really isn't difficult, but man, some people really want to make some things hard. Okay. Next one. <laughs> Some people need to be reminded that black lives matter. It's not political. Stop trying to make it political. Okay. <laughs> and uh, next. This legit... Okay. I, Kevin told me to keep a lid on it, and I have kept a lid on it, but this needs the voice. This legitimately doesn't affect the schooling of your children at all? <laughs> next one. How about you mind your own business instead? <laughs> and finally, BLM is not a political group. It's, a, it's an expression of solidarity with a group of people who were told their lives didn't matter for generations. Were they? Were they told that? I'm sure there are black kids in school who deserve to know the school has their back. If you don't want a political flag flying, then the American flag should come down first. That's what it is. These people are communists. They are Marxists. They are Maoists. They are anti-American. They hate America, their own country. They hate it. And they hate you if you are patriotic. They hate you if you know the Constitution. And they hate you if you insist on exercising your constitutional rights. They are dangerous. They are subversives. You know what? McCarthy wasn't entirely wrong. In fact, I think he was more right than he was wrong. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. This is the Cluster B Society. The reversals, the lying, the accusing others of doing exactly what you are doing, the double standards, the need to dominate and allow no dissent, the reputation smearing. One of them said, I checked out the original poster's history and it's all as bad as this. And the feminized warfare, accusing others of 
abuse for simply disagreeing, accusing others of trying to harm vulnerable people by disagreeing with them. This is cluster B. Now, finally, you have probably read in major media or maybe alternative media that branch COVIDianism is trying to make a comeback. The White House, um, other politicians, the major media are trying to stoke fears again because it's fall and, you know, fall is the time for respiratory illnesses. So we have to go back to COVIDianism. This apparently is, it's, it's like the return of Dallas every season in the fall. <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, much lower, much lower budget. Um, I want to remind you of some of the early days of the height of COVIDianism that we talked about on this show. Remember, we launched Disaffected in January of 2021. So that was, you know, in the beginning of the alleged, not the beginning, but still in the early stages of the alleged pandemic. And I told you some stories that really angered me, disturbed me, and in some cases frightened me. Interactions that I had in public and in doctor's offices that were unlike any interactions I ever had before. I told you about walking down the street in downtown Burlington in January in the middle of winter. I was window shopping at antique stores and an elderly gentleman looked like he was about 80 years old. I was walking down the street and he's coming at me on the street. And he's wearing a mask on his face. I'm not wearing a mask, you know, and passive aggressively, very feminized. He waits until he's brushed past me. I can see him staring at me. He's got that staring, challenging look at me. I can see over his mask. As soon as he walks past me, so his back is to me, he goes, where's your mask? Where's your mask? <coughs> and if I remember correctly, I believe I said, where are your manners? <clears throat> That around the same time, actually, no, just about a month before that, I went, um, uh, was Christmas time, so I was going home to see my sister's family. Um, and my sister has an autoimmune condition, and, and at that time, it still wasn't clear. We didn't know then what we know. I mean, yes, we knew enough to know. We did know enough to know that this was not killing anybody but the very elderly and the very sick. But my sister with an autoimmune disorder was worried. And she asked me to take a, a COVID test before I came and I, I indulged that. Um, I love my sister and I know she watches the show. I will never do that again. But she wouldn't ask me again because she, she has learned as well. Uh, these PCR tests actually cannot detect whether you have an actual infection. It's a misapplication of the technology. Um, <clears throat> and I refuse the vaccination. Um, I will never get another vaccine in my life. Never. None of them. I trust absolutely none of them. I am going back and reevaluating every single thing I thought about the so-called anti-vaxxers. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that they were much more right and that I was wrong in a loud mouth to tell them that they were crazy. But so I went to an urgent care clinic to get this test um, before I went home to visit my sister. And the urgent care doctor yelled at me. After I, I, you know, they, they come in and they do this, you know, ridiculous poke the back of your nasal cavity swab. And then you have to sit there and wait, you know, in an isolated room. Um, and the doctor comes in and she tells me, you're negative. And I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I remember being 16 years old and getting my first HIV test back in the days when AIDS was a death sentence. Every single time there were no drugs that would treat this. It was terrifying. You sat there waiting for your results. Actually, when you first started to get tested, you had to wait a month 
they had to send your they had to send your blood sample off to get tested in a lab. I mean, it was nerve wracking, right? And everybody's acting like that about COVID. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. They say gay men are melodramatic. <laughs> Have you met nurses? Um, urgent care doctor, she comes in and she reminded me, she goes, now, you know, it's the law. When you go, when you travel out of state, when you come back to Vermont, you have to quarantine for 10 days. They said, okay. And okay wasn't enough for her. So she said, well, you're, you're gonna quarantine, right? And I said, I will make my own decision. And that's when she lost her composure. She's, um, this is a paraphrase, I'm going from memory here. Um, but she was yelling. She had a, a, an angry look on her face. She was maybe five years older than me, right? She was talking to me like she were my mother. What? I can't believe what I'm hearing. I have never heard anyone tell me to my face that they're gonna break the law this way. We, and she meant doctors and nurses, we've been busting our humps to keep everyone safe and you're just gonna break the law and say that? I can't believe this. I can't believe this. She's really losing her composure. And stupidly, I'll never do this again. I learned my lesson, I tried. I tried to calm her and I said, you know, I know that you're perceiving me as a guy who's anti-scientific, but I, there's actually a reason for, and she just said, she, stop, leave my office. Leave my office. Okay, you histrionic crank. <clears throat> um, we told you a story about Kevin and I being ejected from um, a restaurant for refusing to take uh, to wear masks. Um, they wanted to kick us out of the guitar store during that same trip, and we uh, actually made a little public noise there. Well, I'll tell you, this year, I'm going even harder. My gloves are off completely. If you think I've been a loudmouth before, you wait until this winter goes by. Let me tell you what happened in the grocery store the other day. I know you love my grocery store stories. I like them too. <laughs> I'm not putting the mask on for anyone in any space, under any circumstances, regardless of conditions. The answer is no, and it will not be justified. The answer is simply no. And no, I will not leave a store if I'm told to leave. No, I will not leave the doctor's office if I am told to leave. I'm not going to do it. I will have a loud conversation in public about how wrong this is, and I will ask every single bystander to their face. I will look directly at them, and I will ask them why they're tolerating this. I will directly ask people what's wrong with them, why they're so biddable, why they're such pansies, and why they have no self-respect as Americans, let alone as, as adult human beings. I am going to make every interaction like this as loud and uncomfortable as possible. I want it to be fucking unbearable for everybody in the room because that's what needs to happen. I will not leave. I will get arrested. They will have to call the police and I, I, I'll do the protester thing. I will go limp. I'm not joking, I'm going to do it. I will not be pushed around anymore. My friend Holly, she's already agreed to bail me out. If I have to get arrested to do this, I'm absolutely gonna get arrested. This shit stops now. So here's the grocery store story. This is the last piece in the show here. The other night, I'm standing in line. There's one checker open, of course, because everything's self-checkout now. Um, a couple people in line in front of me. Elderly white gentleman is directly in front of me in line. He's got a, a small basket. He's getting ready. In front of him, up at the um, near the payment terminal, is a middle-aged black woman. She looked like she could be anywhere from my age to five or ten years older than me. <clears throat> 
the elderly gentleman starts reaching into his basket. The, the conveyor belt is, is totally empty. So this lady up front, she has like two items. The black lady, she's holding them in her hands. So she's not using the conveyor belt. So he reaches out to get a divider to put on there and starts going on and she whips around. Now I could not hear everything she said. I heard a few things she said, but I couldn't hear everything. She's got a big mask on and I literally couldn't, I couldn't parse the consonants. I was hearing blah, 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 blah. But I heard her say, back off, back off. And she was making this gesture. She's pushing her hands out, back off, back off. And she's got this look of alarm and anger on her face, very much like this graphic we're showing you right now. And the guy's looking at her baffled. She's like, can you not do that? Can you just give me some space? And, and some other, that's about all I heard. He turns around, this, uh, he's like 80 years old, old man shopping for himself. He turns around and he looks at me and he gives me this look. No, no. I was not gonna have that interaction stay private between him and I. I was gonna make sure she participated in it. So I look over at this woman who's throwing a fit and I make eye contact with her. And I'm looking at her like this. And she continues to go on telling him, I th she says, this is cl as close as I can parse, there's a reason people ask for space. And I looked right at her and I raised my, I did not yell, but I raised my voice loudly enough that everybody and the two lines on the other side could hear. I wanted the entire public circled around to hear this. I said, oh, stop it, madam, stop it. Oh, the look on her face. Somebody said no to her, somebody who was a man. Somebody who was a white man told a black woman, stop it. Yeah. You stop it. So I laughed at her. I laughed in her face. I said, <laughs> and she, she, she's, she's fulminating. She's just like this, you know, blah, blah, blah. and I just, I, I'll admit it. I gave her some cluster B. I gave her the stare from underneath the eyebrows with a smirk. went. <laughs> She was furious, but you know what? That's all she could do. That's all she could do is f f cluck her wings, flutter her wings and cluck and say, you stop it, you stop it. No, I just stared at her until she could no longer maintain eye contact with me. That is how it's gonna be. This has been Disaffected. We'll see you next week.